Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Again, welcome everybody to Healthy New Year. And we're, we're going to talk about today, I think is so important. We're going to talk about a healthy church and what makes a church healthy. And I came up with four signs of a healthy church. And I could have titled it Healthy Church slash healthy Christian, because I, I want all of us to make sure we have these four things happening in our lives. And I want to open up with something that I think is so important. Um, I think Christian churches can be at a disadvantage for this reason. Um, our Old Testament is the Jewish Bible. So our Old Testament is the Bible for Jewish people. And if they haven't accepted Christ, that's what they follow. They don't you know, follow our New Testament. But the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, um, the large majority of it, probably 80% plus, is all about the law of Moses. It's either explaining the law or telling stories about people that lived under the law of Moses. And in case you, you're not 100% sure what that means, when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses was their leader. He went up to the mountain. He received the Ten Commandments. And then God gave him all these rules and regulations that he wanted people to follow. We call that the law of Moses. And uh, the law was wonderful because the purpose of it was to lead us to Christ. In other words, the whole purpose of the law was to show us you cannot live right. You need a savior. And that's really the whole purpose of the law. So the law is great, but here's the problem. Uh, when you read all that Old Testament, all those stories, which we need to read, all those things, we have to filter it because the law was full of punishment. As a matter of fact, if they didn't follow the law, curses came on them. And the Bible teaches us that when Jesus died, he took those curses upon himself and that you and I are redeemed from the curses of the law because we accepted Christ. He took all the curses. The law also had punishments. And I'll give you an example. In the law of Moses, if they committed adultery, um, the punishment was being stoned. Aren't you glad we're not under that law, right? And adultery is when either one or both couples are Christian or are married, excuse me, they call that adultery. Now, if, if both couples or individuals um, were single uh, and they had relationships outside of marriage, do you know what the punishment was for that? It wasn't stoning, but you know what it was? They had to get married. That was the punishment. You have to get married. And uh, now, marriage is awesome. I, I mean, it's amazing. But if you have to marry someone you just met last night and it was a fling, that's, that's no fun. Marriage is not fun in that way. And so in the law, they were stoned. Now, we don't stone people today, right? We, we, we're not ones to stone anybody. Um, but yet, here's what I notice with churches. When we read that and we don't filter correctly, we spiritually stone people, right? How do you spiritually stone people? Well, we shame them, you know, shame, shame. You, you sin, you did something wrong. Or we make them wear like uh, the scarlet letter or we make them do penance, right? You're gonna do penance and we're not gonna restore you for another six months. You, you're just gonna keep you at arm's distance because you sinned. You did this wrong, you did that wrong. And so... We don't want to throw spiritual stones like that. And here's why. Jesus, when he died on the cross, God stoned him, so to speak, for us. He took all of our punishment. And so Jesus took your punishment. And in the new covenant, 
with us, sin is still sin. So what God calls sin is still sin. But the idea with us is God wants to restore you and set you free. And that's a big difference from casting those spiritual uh, stones. And I think it's fascinating. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? They brought her to Jesus. And they said to Jesus, these are the religious leaders, we caught her in the act of adultery. Under the law of Moses, she should be stoned. And what say you, Jesus? They wanted to entrap him. They wanted to have an excuse to put him to death. So what say you, Jesus? And Jesus made just this wise statement. He said, you without sin cast the first stone. And then he looked down and began to write in the dirt. And the Bible says, one by one, all these religious people walked away. And then Jesus looked up and he saw this woman and he said, is there no one that condemns you? And she said, no, Lord. And then he made this statement. He said, neither do I. And if he would have stopped there, we could come up with all kind of theology, right? But he said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So sin is still sin, and we, we want to help people live holy, but the idea is we want to restore them and bring them to a place of freedom from whatever it is they're struggling with. But I love what Jesus said. I don't condemn you. And I want to help us see that in this lesson, because in a healthy church, that has to be part of our revelation, part of our foundation to where we're not condemning people. We realize Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took our stoning. So I have a big idea for this lesson. It's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. People are the point. And that means you're the point, right? So we're talking about people on every side, every, you know, every position. So that would be people that don't believe God exists, people that hate God, uh, people that are anti-God, people that aren't sure God exists, people that are religious but haven't met Jesus, and then all of us Christians. And you know what? God says, you're the point. And the Bible screams, you're the point. So as we look at these four signs of a healthy church, I want us to walk out understanding this truth more clearly than ever. People are the point. And there is a verse of scripture in the Bible and then two that follow it that scream, people are the point. And I think everyone in this room knows the first verse, John three sixteen. right? I was watching college game day when Michigan State was playing Ohio State. So that's Kirk, Kurt uh, Herbstreet and Desmond Howard and that whole team. And they're talking about the game and they were at Michigan that day and I thought we would beat them at that time. And I was like, yeah, we're gonna beat those guys. And, and then it was a bad day after that. So, so I'm watching and this happens all the time. I see somebody in the crowd and they hold up a sign that says, John 3.16, Jesus loves you. Or they'll say, Jesus is the only way. They'll, they'll say something and they hold that, they hold that sign up, right? And I was amazed because ESPN, that's what College Game Day's on, is owned by Disney, and they also own ABC, and they're very morally liberal, but it's just so cool. No, no producer pulled those young people out. These are college students. They let it happen, and I thought, Lord, that is so good. People know John 3.16, at least the call letters, right? And so then... Uh, it's just amazing when you see what 
that verse says and the two verses following it. I'd like to read them. And here's John 3.16. Most of you can quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And notice how it says he so loved the world. He's not referring to the mountains or the lakes or the oceans um, or the forests, which God loves them too. But he's talking about the people of the world. And here's what he says. I love people so much, they're so the point, I sent my son to die for them. Now that makes the Bible scream, you're the point. And then I love this, verse 17. Listen to this. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I like that. Do you know that when God looks at you, He doesn't condemn you. There's no condemning sentence against you. Jesus didn't come to point the finger at you. He didn't come to stone you. He didn't come to throw spiritual stones. He didn't come to shame you. Jesus came to set you free and to save you. And that word save, it means go to heaven, but it's the Greek word sozo. It means to restore us in every area of our life. Do you know Jesus wants to restore you in every area of your life, anxieties, fear, you name it, whatever you're dealing with, uh, addictions. He wants to totally, 100%, set you free. And so this verse is screaming at, listen to the second half uh, of this verse, verse 18. Uh, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So I love to translate the last part. Second part of this verse just simply means this. You and I were born sin-stained. All men have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's uh, standard. And so if you don't do anything about that, you're, you're dead in your sins, right? And so there's two eternal addresses. One's heaven and one we, we know is hell. And you can't go to heaven unless you allow Jesus to wash you. You have to believe. And then if you don't do that, you can't get into heaven. So there's only one place left to live, right? And we'll talk about how we should have a passion because we understand that. But listen to what God's saying about you. I have no condemning sentence against you. You're the point. I died so you can know me. I died for those that don't yet know me. And we want to walk out of here understanding that. So when we talk about what makes a church healthy and we look at these four things, I want to just keep building on this thought. People are the point. So here's the first sign of a healthy church slash Christian. And it goes like this. In a healthy church, people worship because God freed them. And I'm talking about the worship part of our service. And notice, we worship because we are free. We worship because God set us free. And here at Believer's, We have amazing worship in Boardman here in Warren, our traditional church. It's amazing worship. And if you look up here at the worship teams, they're worshiping because they know I've been set free. In other words, they're not worshiping because they have to. They're not worshiping because if I don't, God won't love me. And then worship is not something we we have to do before the teaching comes. It's not something, oh man, I wish... Can't we get through this? I I want the teaching, the word of God to come. No, worship is something we do because we love God because he freed us. He set us free. And I want to help us see that with a verse of scripture that's so powerful. And it it reads like this, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people. So this is written to Christians. If you're a Christian, listen. 
you were chosen. That means you didn't pick God out. He picked you out. And for those of you like me, uh, for instance, let's say it the opposite way. My kids, they were in church since they were born, right? So if you were to ask them, what day did you actually accept Jesus? They're going to say, I've just known Jesus my whole life, right? And that's cool. They'll always have a camp story. I went to student camp, and then God spoke to me about my calling. God dealt with me to follow him more closely. But they cannot tell you the day they met Jesus because... They just have always known Jesus. They might have prayed in children's church or something. But if you take a guy like me and many of you, I didn't know Jesus until I was 19. And I can tell you this, he pursued me. I wasn't looking for him. I didn't even believe in God at the time. I walked away from God. I didn't believe he existed. And God chased me down, and he chased you down. And that's why the Bible says we're chosen by God. And that's absolutely amazing. Uh, It goes on to say you're a royal priesthood. So every Christian is a priest, so priests pray, right? But you know what else we offer up? Priest worship. We worship God, and we offer up worship. So one of the very things we do because we're a priest is we worship God. He goes on and says this, a holy nation, so we're part of God's nation. I'm pretty excited about that. God's special possession. God looks at you and says, you're the most special thing in all the universe. And he says that about every single one of us. He loves us all the same. And then this is the part I'm after right there, that you may declare, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We worship because we've been set free. And everything changes in worship when we understand the reason we're worshiping is because God has set us free. Free. It changes everything. So here at Believers, guys, I've learned this over, I, August will be 39 years that I pastored the same church, so you just learned this. I have learned that if you can get the majority of people to worship God because they're thankful he set them free, because they just love him, if you can get 51% or more, you will have a life-giving church. Worship will be amazing. And here at Believers, we go way past 51%. But you're never going to have 100% because there's always visitors who haven't met Jesus. There's always new Christians. And then there's always Christians that have been Christians for 20 years. Uh, Their mates dragging them to church, and they still haven't decided to follow Jesus, right? So you'll never get that 100%, but you get over 50% and you have a healthy Church, And I believe here at Believers, we have a healthy church. Now, listen to verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And then listen to this. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I love that last phrase because, guys, we're all going to miss it. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to fall in one way or another. I like to say it this way. We all have sin specialties. There's just those certain things we struggle with, right? And they're, they're always going to be nagging at us, and they could be little. They can be big. But here's the deal. Every day you wake up, God has mercy for you. And every day you wake up and say, I'm going to do a 180 and follow God. He washes and cleanses, and he's just absolutely amazing. So we worship because we are free. And I believe this church is very healthy, but I want to ask you a question now. Are you a healthy Christian? Do you worship God because you're free? 
Do you even know you're free? Or is worship just a song service? And I believe this is the day we can make a switch for a few of us. And I know the majority of us do worship God because we are free and we know it. But man, if you haven't done that, try it the next time you're in worship and just worship God like, you know, I I love you. I, I worship you because I'm free and it changes everything and it will make you freer than you've ever been in your life. Here's, here's the second sign of a healthy church. In a healthy church, people serve because they value people. And I think our dream team here serves for that reason. And I always want to give thanks for our dream team, uh, whether they're host team or uh, they're up on the worship, they're in the tech booth, they're in the video booth, they're working with our kids, they're working with our students, or they're helping in maintenance, they're helping in restoration at the chapel or other places in the buildings here at Believers. Thank you, guys. And if I were to look at our dream team, I would say to each and every one of you, the vast majority of our dream team They serve because they value people, and you can see it. It's not something they have to do because if they don't, God won't love them. It's not a chore. They're doing it because they love Jesus, and it's powerful. And there's a verse of Scripture that changed my life many years ago, and many of you know it. Many of you are walking in it, but let's make sure we're all healthy because I think we're a healthy church in this area. I'm not trying to get anyone to serve out of condemnation. Listen to Philippians 2.3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. And then we'll get into this latter part here in a moment. But I like this because um, it's just saying, take your eyes off yourself. Now, guys, we need to care about ourselves, right? So you need to care about your physical health, your spiritual health, your financial health. That's okay. You have to focus on yourself. But here's what he's doing. He's saying, let's not just make it all about us. And then he talks about turning a switch on. And this is an amazing switch. Listen to this. Thinking of others as better than yourself, don't look out only for your own interest, interest, but the interest of others too. Now, notice what I highlighted. Thinking of others as better than yourself. So here's what we know, guys. We know this. We know that God loves us equally, all the same. And he loves you as much as he loves anyone else. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that's not true, but God's asking you and I to do a calculation in our mind to turn a switch on, and here's the switch. Everybody I look at, I'm gonna look at them as being more important than myself. And it changed my life when I saw it. And I made a decision to turn that switch on. It was amazing. And I came up with a phrase a couple years ago, and here's how it goes. Are you ready? When we see people's value, we see people. If you can see how valuable they are and you begin to turn that switch on and say, I'm gonna look at them as more important than me, then you begin to see them, you see them. And I I could think about the lobbies or let's think about the lunchroom where you work or who you're working next to or students, school and who you're rubbing shoulders with. Let's just think about the people we rub shoulders with all over the world. Isn't it possible, even in our lobbies, as we're walking through our lobbies, isn't it possible for some people to kind of be invisible? They're kind of like a ghost. You can see right through them, right? You can just look and you see right through them. And that's easy to do. But here's what I noticed. When I turn this switch on in my mind and my switch is uh, people are the point, my switch is people are valuable. People are more valuable than me. And I know we're all equal to God, but my switch is I'm going to look at them as more important than I am. All of a sudden they come alive. All of a sudden they're not transparent. All of a sudden you see them. And it's absolutely one of the most amazing things 
that's ever happened to me. And all of a sudden, people become valuable. Can I tell you another byproduct? It's a pretty cool byproduct. How many of you would like to be happy and joyful all the time? Anybody want to be happy and joyful? How many of you like to just walk around carefree? Here's what I noticed. When I make a decision that people are the point and I begin to look at people as more important than me, it flooded me with joy and peace. It's amazing what happened in in my life because I'm not focusing on all my needs and all my wants and all my problems and how everybody's treating me. Oh, they didn't say hi to me today. They didn't look at me or whatever. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know what? These are the most important things in the universe, these people, and I'm gonna focus on them. And then it just releases the peace of God in me. So I think we're pretty healthy as a church. All of us, myself included, can grow. But here's my question. Are you healthy in this area? Are people the point? Are you valuing people? Do you see them? Have you made that calculation? Have you turned that switch on as being more important than yourself? And I want to challenge you. And I can say this too, and I think we all know this already. It goes almost without being said. Um, I have to readjust this attitude regularly, right? Because I keep wanting to go back to the default of Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe's the most important thing on the planet, right? And so I have to just keep turning that switch on and it changes everything. And you know what else it does? Man, it opens your eyes up to the needs and all the people that are near you. It's amazing. Here's, here's our third sign of a healthy church. In a healthy church, people know God set them free to live free. And understand what I'm saying. If we're going to be healthy, we have to know we're already free. Did you know God freed you from any addiction you're dealing with? He's already freed you. Did you know he freed you from any sins you struggle with? He's already freed you. Do you know he's already freed you from fear? He's freed you from anxiety. He's freed you from everything. And in a healthy church, people know God set them free. And why did he set us free? So we can live free, so we can walk in it on the outside. And there is a really famous verse in the, in, in the Bible. It's, probably, it's one of my top three. It's 1 Corinthians 6.11, and I'm going to read it to you in a moment. But I want to read the two verses above, because I've been in a lot of church services where they only read verses 9 and 10, and they never go down to verse 11. I'm like sitting there saying, come on, it's just one more verse. Read it, just one more verse. It's so awesome. And then they don't read it. But... You're going you're gonna to remember these verses. They'll be familiar. You've probably heard a sermon with them. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So if you're unrighteous, you can't go to heaven. Listen, uh, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. Uh, now, in the Bible, idolatry is not just bowing down to an idol. It's making anything bigger in your life than God. And then, nor idolaters, we talked about that at the opening, nor homosexuals. So uh, there's more in the next verse. We're going to read it. This is not a complete list, but my goodness, when, when I remember in my early days, I had to learn these things. In my early days, I just, I wanted to tell the guys, put the heat up to 90, would you? Uh, may, maybe put it up even higher than that, because I want to preach some hell, fire, and brimstone, and I'm going to get people to repent, and I'm going to make people say, I don't want to live in sin anymore. And you know what? That's one way to teach this, but there's a different way when you look at verse 11. Then listen to verse 10. Nor thieves, have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? Nor the greedy, nor those habitually drunk, so binge drinking, right? 
uh, or you know, just drinking all the time, nor verbal abusers. Have you ever told someone off? Have you ever cussed a storm up, right? Nor swindlers. Have you ever taken advantage of someone? Will inherit the kingdom of God. And remember, this is not a complete list. So we could add anything in here we want. And then you see, won't go to heaven, won't inherit the kingdom of God. You can preach this in a very negative way with Old Testament glasses on, but I love what God does with it. I love the fact that these things are still sin. We want to grow out of these things, but I love how he handles it. And it's the next verse, guys. This is when you know you're free. He's screaming, you are free. Listen to verse 11. Such were some of you. And you know, he's writing to a church that just, he had to address somebody that had an adulterous affair, right? And so he's saying, hey, I know you guys struggle with sin, but I want you to know such were some of you. You're no longer this anymore. Then he says this, but you were washed. And I want you to see, past tense, you know what it means to be washed? It's referring to when Jesus died and shed his holy, sinless blood. And when you accepted Jesus as Savior, that blood washed you of all your sins. It washed you of your past, present, and future sins. You have been washed by the blood of Jesus. So you're not those things in verses 6 and 9. Can you fall in those areas? Yes. But you'll never walk free till you know you are free. You're washed. And then he goes on and says this, but you were sanctified. And sanctified means to be made holy. And you may be listening to me right now at Borman here in Warren, TCI, or online, in the future, on demand, and you may think, there's no way I'm holy. Well, you may not be living at a holy level, but you are holy. And the reason you can live holy is because you are holy. You couldn't live holy if you weren't holy, but because you are holy, you can live holy. And notice, God's saying, you're already sanctified. So in a healthy church, people know they've been set free so they can live free. And I like what he goes on to say, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. And the word justified is a cool word. Here's all it means. In God's eyes, you are righteous and you are right. Everyone listening. And when you understand that you were washed that such were you, you were sanctified, and you are right in God's eyes. He says you're holy and blameless. When you understand that, then you can walk free. And I think one of the things that makes a church healthy is when you and I understand, man, we are free. And I can walk free because I am free. And I want to challenge you right now. How many have ever prayed, God, deliver me from this sin? And I know it's semantics, and I know uh, I understand that. But guys, you are delivered. And what we should pray is, God, because I am delivered, give me the grace to walk free here. Open up my eyes to what I'm not seeing. And God will do that for you. But if you think he still has to deliver you, you're missing the point. You and I live holy because we know we are holy, and it changes everything. So I want to ask you a question. You ready? We have one more. But here's a good question. Borman here in Warren, uh, TCI online. Are you excited that God washed you, sanctified you, and justified you, and that you are free? And if so, can we give it up and say, thank you, Jesus? Well, that is amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that we are free. And here's number four. And... and uh, and, and, and of course, I'm challenging all of you, if you don't know this, let's, let's change our mentality and ask God to do it. Here's number four, 
fourth sign of a healthy church. And healthy church people care about the unreached. And that would be people that don't know Jesus. And I think Believers is pretty healthy here. I really do. And I, obviously, we can keep growing. But that's why I do an altar call at the end of every service. And I was amazed that in first service today, um, it, you know, how cold it was. And, and, and our crowd there was a little smaller because of, you know, a lot of people struggling with COVID and things like that. But just to see the hands go up of people that accept Christ, it was absolutely amazing. And I love doing an altar call. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves when it comes to us is, are you healthy in this way? Do you care about the people in your family that don't know Jesus? Do you care about the people you go to school with, you work with? Uh, are, are you praying and saying, God, would you, would you open up their eyes to see Jesus? God, would you open up a door so I can share Christ or at least invite him to church? And I think that's a question we want to ask ourselves because I think as a church, we're pretty healthy there and not that we can't grow and go further, but do you care about these people that haven't met Jesus? Because God wants to set these dear people free. People are the point and they're the point. And so I want to encourage you to remind yourself to begin to pray for those people you meet that don't know the Lord. And there's a cool scripture, Romans 1.16. I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible, a paraphrase, but it's pretty cool what it says, because this is what brings people into the kingdom, and it's good for us to know that. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. That means Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. God raised him from the dead. Whoever believes in him will be saved. You can't work your way. You just simply have to believe. It is God's powerful method of bringing all who believe it to heaven. Isn't that pretty cool? And so the only way to heaven is to hear this message. This message produces faith. I memorized this in the King James, and it goes like this. Um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God that results in salvation. Saying the same thing. God chose a method. The method is Jesus and the altar call like we do here. And that's why I do them constantly. I never know who's going to be in a crowd. And I want to just give people a chance to know that they are a Christian. And it's so powerful. And I want to encourage you uh, just to know you can't push somebody into God's kingdom. It's not up to you. You're not the one that's going to get them saved or born again. No, it's just you sharing the incredible message, and then God opens the hearts, and it's powerful. And then I love this. Finish this verse. This message was preached first to the Jews alone. I'm glad God did this. But now everyone is invited to come to God in the same way. And so in a healthy church, we're going to see these four signs. Again, I want to commend you guys. I think our church does a great job. I want to grow further in them. I want you to grow further in them. And then as I keep saying, ask yourself, am I healthy in this area? Because life changes and life becomes better when we're healthier in these areas. Our problems are going to keep coming, right? COVID's hopefully going to become less and less threatening to people. But Life is there, right? Problems are there. But there's something that happens when we see it from the right perspective. So I, I want to take a moment to pray. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person listening to me. We thank you, Lord, for that we have a healthy church, but you're going to make us more and more healthy. Lord, we thank you for all the other healthy churches in this valley. Keep growing them like you grow us. And Lord, for any church that's not healthy, help them put on the eyeglasses of the new covenant, Lord, and see that people are the point 
and that they're free and all these beautiful things that we talked about, Lord God. But Lord, now for us as individuals, open up our eyes fuller, Lord. Let us see these four things more clearly than ever. Lord, I pray this for me and for everyone listening to my voice. Give us an even deeper passion for those that don't know you, those on reach, Lord. Stir our hearts, Father, to pray for them, to look for open doors, to invite them to church, to share Christ with them. And Lord, thank you for growing us in all these areas. Lord, I pray for everyone that's struggling with addictions, everybody struggling with sins. And Lord, open up our eyes to the fact we are free. And Lord, I thank you for helping us see that so we can walk free in every area of our life. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer, right? Borman, Warren, TCI, online. Stick with me online. Maybe you're listening and you're not sure of your eternity. You're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or hell. Maybe you're not even sure God existed when you walked in here, right? I want to speak to you right now. And I'm not asking you if you are a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. Um, I'm I'm not asking you uh, any of those questions. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when what we just read, when you prayed and said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven and I want to accept you. And I really believe there's some of you listening right now. This is your moment. God has brought you to this place. And so... All I'm asking you is this. Are you ready to pray and say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior? And if you are, I want to pray with you right now. And the rest of us want to help you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening, you say, that's me. Would you pray this with me? Just mean it from your heart. Guys, can we help them out? Just say this. Say, Father, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. This day... I repent of all my sins, and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that that you died for the sins of the entire world. God raised you out of the grave. You are the way to heaven. I receive you as my Savior this day. And I ask you, give me the grace to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.